Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Got another better than this guys being dudes dudes to the right dudes to the left stuck in the middle with you got another dude heisman trophy bronco nagurski award ultimate dudes got another dude o-line you bunch of dudes a lot of dudes yeah another dude in the house welcome to the lot of dudes podcast presented by fourth and dude Brought to you by Boston College 24-7 and Armchair All-Americans, Season 3, Week 9. The Eagles got back in the win column on Saturday, defending home turf versus NC State, defeating the Wolfpack by a score of 45-24. The O-line dominated in the trenches as A.J. Dillon and David Bailey racked up over 400 yards rushing against the top run D in the conference, while the Maroon and Gold utilized the bye week to overhaul their sieve of a defense. On today's episode, we'll discuss whether BC is actually good, Talk dude or pood, and get you hyped up to shock the world versus Clemson and Death Valley this weekend. Matt, I am finally back from my European sabbatical. I apologize to the listeners for no pod the last two weeks, but it feels so good to return home to what is now apparently a very good football team. Just a surprise that I did not in any way see coming when I left New York for a few weeks ago. But before we break down uh, just how BC turned into the best team in the country and look ahead to the Tigers, like you said, first a word from our friends at my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. doesn't matter if it's a couple familiar ACC foes or a flyer on Pac-12 after dark. Whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. No matter your style, parlays, teasers, live bets, futures, you name it, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Between football season, the World Series kicking off tonight, start of NBA season tonight, NHL season's heating up. It's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Matt, just get right into it. What a remarkable performance we saw on Saturday on all sides of the ball. Really looked like a different team out there entirely. I think Stevie Biweeks officially strikes again. Yeah, quick bone to pick with MyBookie and the other available betting sites before we get into NC State, Matt. Uh, Why is the money line not available? Yeah, I noticed Clemson. that. I noticed that last night as well. I was trying to do the math on it. Like, I'm sure there's an easy formula, like Fahrenheit to Celsius, of of you could take the spread and figure out what the line should be, and maybe it's just too high, and Vegas doesn't want to lose all their money. When spoiler alert, we shock the world in four days. That's what I figured it was. Like, they're just trying to protect themselves. Because Correct. Huge downside risk. That's right. going to be a huge payout. You got to figure. Yeah. Tell you what, Matt. What a win against NC State. Uh, obviously, we're coming off a couple tough weeks. We knew that. You know, it was probably the worst defense we'd seen at Boston College in a really, really long time. And I tell you, it feels great to get back in the win column. But the way we did it is also, you know, beyond just winning the football game. These guys, you know, certainly utilized the bye week to their advantage. 
you know, we, we have the best offensive line in the country. We have the best ground game in the country. And guess what, Matt? We might have a defense. Yeah, it, I mean, again, first and foremost, that was clearly a running win, like I'm sure we'll talk about, but I, I'm with you. I think the story is the defense, and they deserve a lot of love. Finally showed up for the first time all year, plugged in some young guys and fixed a few things over the bye, and it paid off significantly. Some wild stats that came out after the game. So as bad as we've been through the first six games, we still have 80 tackles for loss on the year, which leads the country, which I my jaw hit the floor when I saw that, led by our guy Sax Richardson, who is third in FBI with tackles for loss obviously next week will be a or this week will be a humongous test and by far the hardest test that we've had so far but you have to just love what you saw on Saturday the run defense showed up the D-backs were making plays there was pressure we haven't had any of this you know throughout the season so far so really it looked like a completely different defense and you know it does make you wonder where it was because clearly we have the right guys for it but you know I can't complain too much we have it here for the back half of the schedule and the bye week really paid off. And listen, we, we know NC State is absolute garbage. You know, that was that's just not a good football team. Their their record is what are they, four and three now? And four and three, right. It's, but it's inflated because no they've yep. you know, they have one of the worst strengths strengths of schedule out there. But with that said, it is the ACC and we're seeing on the other side of the conference, you know, more than than in the Atlantic, but there are no easy outs in the ACC, especially when you have, you know, a backup sophomore walk on quarterback versus a defense that was one of the tops uh was the top in the country. Uh, sorry, top in the conference, one of the one of the best run in the defense, country. top run defense in the, Exa- yeah, in the, in the conference. Exactly. And so, you know, a, a, a solid run D that knows that we're going to be one dimensional because, again, of our quarterback situation. And it really starts and ends with the offensive line. I mean, you can't say enough good things about what the offensive line did in that game and really what they've done all year. You know, I, I wish there, there were more stats that, you know, so, so I could give them more accolades. But I, I guess it's a testament when you have two 200 yard rushers. You know, it's 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 pretty solid, I, I guess. And and again, I mean, this was a de- defense that was giving up 67 rush yards per game, and we hung 429 on them. So yeah, we 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 over, we surpassed their entire season output. Which again, I know they didn't play any good running teams, but that's still very impressive. Seven games in. To your point, statistically, I will say the O line's number one stat is that they, I think they lead the country in sacks allowed, or. I guess, lack of sacks allowed. But otherwise, I'm with you. It's the eye test. And then you just look at the fact that they were clearing lanes all day long. Like, obviously, give our running backs a lot of credit. They're phenomenal backs. They're big. They're strong. They're fast. But if you're not getting the holes that they're getting, while they still might put up 100 yards a game, they're not going to put up 400. So while Bailey looked like a video game and A.J. Dillon got his three touchdowns and had you know a Heisman stat line, this isn't possible without the guys up front. So just a phenomenal performance. And you know I think that we've come – to become used to O-line you, and it's nice to see that it continues here. Shout out to Dazio, an offensive line guy. Again, we got offensive line guys in the room, but it's just been it's been a joy to watch uh, really throughout the first seven games. Yeah, and I think I think uh, no hurries, no quarterback hurries, and, and not right. that uh, Grossell dropped back a ton, but what he did, he had all day to throw. And yeah, I mean, it's not just obviously it's not just the pass protection, but the, but the holes that these guys are opening are, are like nothing I've ever seen before. I mean, we've had some good offensive lines over the years, but you know, for this class that that was largely inexperienced and hadn't you know certainly hadn't played a lot of snaps together as a unit, it's unbelievable how quickly they've come together and, re- and really gelled. So, I mean, we really could beat anyone in the country playing like that offensively. I think. I mean. And we really wore those guys down throughout the course of the game. So that's a recipe. To, and if I'm Clemson right now, you know, I'm shaking my head a little bit saying, you know, we got a pretty solid defense, right? But, you know, that's that's a damn good offensive line. And throughout the course of a game, if they're going to ground and pound, not just the line, but then, you know, you got two 250-pound running backs that are punishing you all all game. I mean, 
I don't know, Matt. I, I like our chances to to you know control the and more on Clemson to come. But yeah, don't spoil it. For it's going to be really really hard for this team for defenses to game plan against this team because you could you could tell uh, at the end of the NC State game by the time the third quarter rolled around, these guys wanted nothing to do with Dylan and Bailey. They were they were you know arm tackling and they wanted nothing to do with these guys. So you know keep that going going forward. Obviously, we're going to be a ground and pound team going forward. I like what Grossell did. He wasn't asked to do to do too much. He was a you know great game manager. Um, and more to come on that in my dude. But I, I I like what he does back there. And and I think that you know we're going to be again we're going to be run heavy, no question. But you know what he can do. You know we'll see what happens. We can actually sling the rock. But you know I, I really like where this offense is headed. And they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, I mean truly statistically, we're the 11th best offense in the country by yards per game, averaging. 494 yards, which is absurd. I will say just quickly, negatively, the fact that we're not 7-0 and is appalling when you look at the statistics that we have. And again, as bad as the defense has been, the fact that they're still leading the country in tackles for loss and all that, plus the offense that we have. And when you look at the schedule, it also hurts even more too, because you know, as much as Kansas, we can just say, all right, Kansas with Kansas, it was an aberration, no excuse, but they you know, killed us. Whereas we lost by three to both Louisville and Wake in, in, you know, what were clearly winnable games. So it's pretty frustrating to be four and three right now with the, with the talent that we have, but at the same time, you know, we have whatever, a little less than half the year to go. And I think overall we have to feel okay. I'll echo what you say on Grossel. He did everything that, you know, we needed him to do. He's not going to necessarily win any games with, with, you know, you're not going to win any games with him necessarily, but he doesn't, we don't need that because our offensive line is that good. Our running game is that good. If our defense can just be okay, then that's a fine combination. And then the other one I want to shout out on the offense is Hunter Long. Picked up right where Tommy 12-inch left off. Just a phenomenal tight end leading the country in a couple different things or at least you know top five, whatever. So that's huge for a young quarterback as that safety net. You saw a couple times there was like a two-yard dump off that he then ran for you know 40 yards. So overall, a lot of really good things on the offense. I'm, I'm – feeling much more positive now than I would have ever guessed uh, after Wake Forest or even after Kansas. So overall, I will, while I'm very unhappy with the record at four and three, I will take how I feel about this football team as we head into the back half. Yeah, a thousand percent. And, and, you know, it's not that surprising. The offense has been putting up, you know, pretty solid numbers all year, especially in the run game. I think the story of this game is, is the defense coming off the bye week. They were, uh, what were they? 126th, I think in, in total, about right. in total defense, which is really, really, really bad. There's only 130 FBS teams out there. So, you know, it, it really seems like in, in, you know, the, the coaches, you know, they knew they had to do something. Right. So, I think what they did, and I tweeted this, and I'm glad they listened, listened, is I think they pretty much ripped up the playbook for the first half of the season. They ripped up the the depth chart and said, all right, who wants to play? Who wants to, you know, who wants to, to, to make plays? Who wants to tackle? And, um, you know, so they mixed up the personnel. They got the, the, the right guys in there. They got the young guys. I mean, that's really the story of the game. I mean, Jason Matry, is that his name, Matt? Matry? Yeah, Ma- I, don't love that you're, I don't love that you're spoiling a future segment of mine, but you can, can continue. Yeah, he, I mean, he set the tone, obviously, with that pick six uh, in the first quarter there. There was a few other, uh, Sheeta Silla. Is, is this also ruining your segment, Matt? Yeah, it all is, Matt. <laughs> You know what? Hey, Matt, here, I'm just going to segue right in. So my dude of the week, I'm just going to go with the freshman starters overall. So like you said, Jason Mater with the pick six. He also had five tackles and a pass breakup. Matt, what I will say about him, I am absolutely psyched for like the meme potential with the Maitre D. Do you, like, do you get it? Because he's on defense. I, I don't know what that word. Oh, I, I, no, I've heard the word before. I don't know what it means. Though. It's like hors d'oeuvres. It's French, but it's, 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 
I could see it becoming a future Hampshire's Accord. I'll just say that. He had his first start. was phenomenal. Zion Johnson was the ACC lineman of the week in his first start ever. Paved the way for 400 yards. So you got to love that. And then, you know, like you said, I don't think he started officially in the depth chart. But Shittasilla was all over the field. Four tackles, two and a half for loss. His first sack ever. Again, I think the bye week does have a lot to do with it. We looked at the film through the first six games. We said something's not working. Let's plug in these guys. Let's get them some reps. Let's see how they actually perform. At worst case, you get them game experience. And at best case, you actually say, hey, these guys can play and we are significantly better. So my dude of the week overall is the young guys that stepped up. You love to see it. It does make you feel really good right now, but even more so you know, for what we could continue to have both of his immature through the rest of the season, like we saw with Sebastian last year, who in his first game was honestly horrible, but ended the year as one of our stronger D-backs. And, you know, you hope the trend will continue with these guys and then for their, you know, tenure on the heights. So thank you for segueing me into the dude of the week. But I think that that overall worked out nicely. We knew we had athletes back there. We knew that we had a pretty solid recruiting class coming in the last couple of years, especially, you know, in the the secondary. So I think that was part of the frustration is, and Daz has always kind of sucked at this. And I don't want to arm the Daz haters any more than they've already been armed, but... He, doesn't he kind of suck historically at starting the right guys? There's countless it's, examples. Yeah, this happens where every year where we, we say guys, six games in, right? Yeah, well, we have guys that all of a sudden, midway through the season, come out of nowhere, and all of a sudden they're way better than than the starter. I, A.J. Dillon's probably the best example in yep, 2017. I, I think that's fair. But it seems to happen all the time. We knew there was talent on this roster, and we knew that you know what we, what we showed uh, against Kansas is not this Boston College team. It's nowhere close to the talent. So credit to them for, for utilizing the bye week to uh to you know mix it up a little bit and get the right guys in there there was a couple other guys DeBerry was another one that was making plays out there yeah I think it was his he had I think it was his first start as well or at least it was it was, it was first by th- far the most minutes he yeah had. it was the first time I'd seen him and and, and you know we're obviously going to need that when it when it comes to, to Clemson and the rest of the ACC slate we need athletes out there that aren't going to get burned that aren't going to you know miss tackles and you know I think we're, we're starting to get to the right combination it's a shame it took six games in to figure this out but sort of is what it is. Also, yeah, I really just, don't want to harp on it. It is so frustrating, though. It's just like these are <laughs> like we should be seven and zero. There is absolutely no excuse. Why again? Why can't we figure this out in training camp? And I think that is a fair argument against Daz of you got to have your guys ready week one, and that's just not the case. So well, I'm with week you, one, very week one they were ready. Maybe okay, Zach. week one they were ready. Fine, but again, like you're telling me that if we played Kansas tomorrow night, I mean, hell, if we played Kansas the day after we lost, then we probably beat them by 30. But if we played Kansas tomorrow, like, I don't know that Kansas looked good against Texas, but Texas is never back. Like, there are so many games that I just wish we could we could have back. Well, I think that's a theme of the past seven years. Here's the flip side of this, Matt. And, and I knew we were going to go overboard because that's, you know, we overreact. That's what we tend to do. That's got, that's one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. NC State is so yeah, it was horrible. awful. It looked horrible. like an FCS offense. Um, and, you know, obviously we had those those two huge goal line stands that, you know, helped to also demoralize the Wolfpack. I mean, wasn't it more? Wasn't it like three? It was, there was a there was like wasn't it three or four uh, fourth and goals that they didn't convert on? Yeah, it was it was something like that. It was, there was two early on in the first half, right, I guess, quick, back right. to back that it was kind of like these guys might never score. So I don't know. I mean, while it's a positive that we figured out how to stop someone. This, I, I really do think that NC State may not win another game the rest of the year. That's how bad they were. So I don't want to overreact too much. Well, so I was reading through Reddit after the game, and it sounds like their perspective is that they're actually feeling very positive now because they put in their freshman backup quarterback late in the game. Yeah, we got lit up by that true O'Leary. freshman. And they were like, oh my God, this is. guy is amazing versus they were playing Hawkman the whole time who was absolutely terrible so i think that they have some optimism there as well but yeah i don't know why hawkman was getting the ball the the whole time hawkman (laughs) hawkman again it's like a superhero hawkman (laughs) 
I just don't. I, I do want to call out Max Richardson too. Uh, what a game again by him. I think he hit for the cycle. He had a billion tackles, a, a sack, a bunch of TFLs, pass swatted at one point. I mean, this that's like his sixth consecutive game in a row where he's just been everywhere. And without him. You know, we'd be in trouble this year. We already are in trouble this year. But we are, officially. We, uh, <laughs> without him, I just can't, can't state his importance to this defense enough, especially without McDuffie out. And Matt, can we get McDuffie back for Clemson? Yeah, one of these days, man. Come on. Honestly, right? Like, I- Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, at this point, it's probably a no-go, especially if we're going to get bad weather. But can we trot him out against Clemson and they're going to have no idea what's coming? I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Is that your official dude of the week, by the way? No, my dude of the week was the coaching staff, actually. So okay. I, I was Great. glad that they, they, you know, again, were willing to make adjustments. And, you know, Bill Sheridan, who caught probably more flack than any assistant coach I've ever heard of in my life. Um, you know, basically. All deserved. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, no no question. But, you know, that they, they defensively, obviously, they changed everything up. Offensively, they schemed a perfect game plan. They had a couple electric plays. The screenplay to Hunter Long was outstanding. So across the board for for Daz, Bajakian, and Sheridan, utilizing the bye week as they've done a couple times in a row here. Remember the game against Miami last year where Daz completely outcoached Mark Richt. You know, it seems like he knows what he's doing off a of bye week. So I like that to continue going forward. And I tweeted this out, but Matt, you know, we play Notre Dame after a bye week, right? Oh, we sure do. So I emoji sure on that one. Yep, I'm with you. I'll go for my dude here. So I know it's kind of a cheap mainstream one, but I have to do it the throwback unis. They are still so, so, so good. We play great in them. We just look faster. It's an upgrade on every single level. I don't know why MJ isn't pushing to make these the official that we wear, again, every game. New logo as well. Like on midfield, that logo would look amazing. I do have a feeling that we'll run into him when we're in Clemson this weekend. And this will be item number one on my agenda. Probably, I have probably like 10 things that we need to hash out. But this will definitely be number one. I will say too, I quietly, I think the whites that we wore against Notre Dame at Fenway are even better than the Maroons. So it's like a zero effort move at Under Armour to just make you know those the away, the Maroons the home. Everyone's happy. We don't have to design any new jerseys. Win, win, win. We would sell so much in the bookstore as the Martin Charmont collection already has. So that's one that I just don't know why it hasn't happened yet, but we need to wear those all the time. And the fact that we're not going to be in those in Clemson is the only thing that really worries me about next Saturday. Yeah, you figure it's only a matter of time. And we've been saying this for years now where MJ is just going to come out and say, hey, welcome to your official BC logo and your uniforms and we're just going to become the throwback. That's that's who BC is going to be. I think he's waiting for the right time. Do you do you remember? Do you remember probably this is two or three years ago now? All of the BC sports accounts from, you know, women's soccer and field hockey all the way through hockey and, and football and basketball. They all tweeted at the same time, like. You know, eye emoji, like big news coming tomorrow at noon. And they kept hyping it up, hyping it up. And everyone's like, oh my God, it's finally happening. And then when the day came at noon, they were just like, hey, we all just changed our Twitter handle to now be BC football news and <laughs> BC hoop news. And like, that was that was the biggest letdown in the past seven years, which is which is saying something. So again, write this wrong, Martin. There's never been a, a more obvious thing. Like, give the people what they want. There, it's If you did a poll, bring back the, the uh, throwbacks, it'd be legitimately 100% to zero. So Yeah, my only concern is that he's waiting till things get as bad as possible to do it as a goodwill gesture, but I feel like he's had opportunities between both the Adazio extension last year and the Jim Christian extension, so I'm not sure why he has waited, and I don't know how much worse he expects things to get, which is part, you know potentially concerning, so I mean, I guess we'll wait and see at this point. I think we should go back to like the the early 2000s jerseys with like the Boston College written in, in the full lettering and yeah, um, I don't hate those either. I love those. I, I got a in the the weird third alternate logo. 
Um, the, of, what, like the, 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 the smiling eagle? Yeah, exactly. The smiling eagle. Um, I think it's like Baldwin Jr. type of type of. Yeah, eagle. exactly. That one's weird. I think I bought that for my nephew when when he was born. I think. Yeah, I, did, I think they only have it in infant gear now. But that that was right when I was becoming a fan, and uh, you know, I always uh, those jerseys are cool. So I don't know. I, I think they they could do a lot more, but I agree with you that it's just a matter of time. It's weird to have such an electric throwback logo and and all that, and not have a great normal jersey, but um, is what it <laughs> Very is. Very fair. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, my uh, dude. I touched on it earlier. Um. I love this Grossell guy. Like, you know, we love AB. We're big AB guys, obviously. But there's a reason that that Denny Denny Dimes, I think we're calling him. That's a that's a pencil the nickname right now. Okay. Denny Dimes. I also like Denny. All you can eat pancakes. Denny, I like that a lot. All you can yep. eat touchdowns. There's a lot of options here. I'll tell you, he can play. It, it, there's a reason that he worked his way up from again, you know, uh, from being a, a sophomore walk on to now, you know, the starting quarterback. And we we saw some flashes. I mean. He only threw the ball 15 times on on Saturday, but there was a couple just absolute perfect throws downfield, and and overall, you know, he's he's a great decision maker. I lo- the thing I like best about him is, you know, obviously offense our offensive line gives the quarterback a ton of time in the pocket, and he uses all that. Like he's he's for for a sophomore walk on to be that calm in the pocket and not rushing the ball out. I think that's that's a pretty u- unique characteristic to have. So if our guys can get separation downfield. And, you know, you got to figure that now more than ever, teams are going to be zeroing in on on the run with, you know, again, him in there. He's got a chance to do some damage. I like that Clemson has no tape on him and we didn't have to use him against NC State. And I think he could have a huge game against Clemson on Saturday. That's my dude. He's going to be my breakout dude next year or next week. Sorry. It's going to have a huge game. Yeah. I mean, we I think we will certainly need that. We have a very good offense if he doesn't do anything, but I don't know if it's a good enough offense to beat Clemson on the road. So I'm with you. Let's hope for the best there. Again, he just also needs to avoid mistakes, which he has obviously done a good job of so far. Um, for my pood, I'm going to go with the six kicks out of bounds. It's kind of a dude at the same time because it was absolutely amazing to watch. It was uh, like Anchorman. I'm not even mad. I'm legitimately impressed. I don't know how you can kick a football out of bounds six times in a game. My personal favorite was one of the six was the re-kick after he got the penalty for kicking it out of bounds. Just awesome stuff. Watching Adazio's reaction every time was absolutely incredible. Again, we love the long man, but uh, I appreciate him for for lightening up our, our Saturday there. What started out as a stressful Saturday, really, for the first only like 15 minutes before it got pretty relaxing. But a little comic relief never hurt anybody on a, on a college football Saturday. Matt, that is also my pood. So I'm going to co-sign that one. And I agree with you that watching Steve Adazio's face on that kick in particular, where it got called back, and then he re-kicked it because it was, what, offset, offsetting penalties, which is ridiculous to have a hold and a kick out of bounds on the same play. And he did, what was the number? Is it four or five times? It was four. Well, it was six officially if you count <laughs> that one. Yeah, which means that if you did it, I guess technically it was only five, I guess. And he's but he done physically it, kicked the ball out six times. He's done it, what, once? Other, uh, like, going back know. to last yeah, year? Yeah, I don't know. This has never been an issue yeah. before. He's always been solid. He's been the t- a touchback machine. We haven't had issues with Longman. Um, but I'll tell you what. To have that happen that many times and to still win by 20, we'll take that every day of the week, Matt. It also, in college, it's not nearly as bad of a penalty as it is in the NFL, right? Because in the NFL, you go to the 40 versus now they're on the 25 for a... No, it's the 35. In NFL, you go 40 for a legal procedure. Here, you go 35. Correct. You're saying it's not as big of a... It's, it's only fun, a 10-yard penalty. Uh, I, I guess, yeah. That's one it's the look end at of it. the world, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I just I, so, I would wish they would stop doing that though. Correct. I just kick it out of the back of the end zone, and then everyone's happy. But yeah, well, yeah, and I think someone are. said I don't know where I read this, but 
he was trying to, I don't know if they have an electric returner that he was trying to avoid. So he was trying to kick it to the left side of the field. I, I mean, and I was shocked that Daz didn't pull him. Like there's got to be between Boomer and, and even Tessator. Someone has to yeah, be able to right? figure out how to yeah. kick off in bounds. But um, storyline to watch for, for next week, certainly. Yeah. Uh, definitely agree. I've got a few Eagles in the wild. You got anything that you want to kick off with? Man, I got nothing for Eagles in the wild this week. It's a, right. uh, yeah, clean slate for me. All right. I'm going to roll through it quickly. Matt Ryan hurt. So thoughts and prayers to him. Uh, Kai Bowman doing Kai Bowman things in the NBA preseason. Also shout out to Jared, Reggie and Jerome NBA season kicks off as we record tonight. And then Matt, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. So I missed this a few weeks ago, but shout out to Molly from the class of 2013, who was on the latest season of survivor. I say was because she, she was voted off. Are you off really going to spoil it? Two, it's we're on like week six right now. You know what's funny, Matt? I threw it on uh, last weekend, and I I'm not a big Survivor guy. You are obviously. I was a I big am. I was a Survivor guy for week one or uh, season one, and I still I turned it off after 20 minutes, despite someone that I know being on it. So that's how bad. All right, the show well, so Survivor you're an idiot. Is, so Matt. again, I I thought that she had the makeup to to make a good run, quite honestly. Um, but like I said, she was voted up episode two. It was a massive blindside. Honestly, it was the reasoning was because she was perceived as a as a as a strong player and a deep threat, which you know sucks for the BC connection. But I honestly don't hate the move as a fan of Survivor. This also means that Elizabeth Hasselback reigns supreme as the best BC Survivor of all time. I think she made the top like eight or something back in the Australian Outback. And then Matt, I did some more research. We had one other BC alumni ever appear on Survivor. Uh, he was voted out first overall in the some, somewhere in season twenty. So not too great of a resume for the Eagles on the island uh, as a whole. Meanwhile, Boston Rob, who is arguably the greatest all-time, either him or Sandra, he's in a cameo appearance this season with Sandra, actually. Uh, he's a BU guy, so that's a shame. Everyone should be watching this show. By the way, I know you just trashed it, but it is so good. I still. tried. It's just, I, I honestly it's so I tried good. It's so just, hard. Well, you, well, you the, can't just the, jump the in. First... You, have to, you have to actually watch it from the start and get to know the characters, I, get Matt, to know the... That was the problem. I watched the first episode, and it was the first 30 minutes where people like trying to make a fire, and then someone... Okay, out, well, also, to like, try, you got to kind of find an you idol. You have to buy in. You have to buy in. Yeah, okay, I, I, I agree they are throwing in too many hidden immunity idols. I do think that's <laughs> bastardized the game a little bit. But overall, get in board now because next season, season 40, is the all-winner season. That's going to be absolutely electric. Again, obviously no Eagles on that because, like I said, we've never made it past, like, the top eight. But Over under 10 people that, that turn this podcast off. I honestly, when I, when I, when I found out that we had a BC alum on Survivor, I was so excited, obviously because I love the show, but really, so I had a chance to talk about it on this podcast. So thank you all for indulging me for those last couple minutes. Just know that was the most enjoyable subject I've talked about on this show in a, in a very long time. Uh, with that, Matt, let's get into the courtroom. I'm also going to put your, uh, take that Survivor sucks on trial. And I realize I'm probably going to lose that one, but, uh, yeah, let's hop into the courtroom. All right. Courts in session. So I don't know where you want to start this. I'm just going to, again, do kind of a grand indictment, grand jury. The ACC stinks as a whole. Literally, the only good team is Clemson, and they haven't even looked amazing, as we'll touch on in a little bit. Not much to add. It's just no one wants to win the Coastal. No one wants to come in second place in the Atlantic. It's just a, a disaster and, and legitimately one of the worst, I think, Power 5 conferences we've seen in a very long time. Yeah, one of the things that's been making the rounds on social media is the Coastal Circle of Suck. Um, which has been, you know, one of those things that has always been, oh, if the, if all this stuff comes together, then we can form a perfect circle of everyone that beats everyone. And this year it's, it's finally a reality. Legitimately every, everyone sucks, but everyone's also doesn't suck is, is another way of look at looking at Anyone it could win on any given Saturday. 
but also lose on right. on most Saturdays. Right. So I think what was it? Georgia Tech over Miami put sort of the explanation yes. point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, on that, but you know, one thing that people aren't talking about enough is the Virginia Tech win. Matt, that's turned into a pretty damn good uh, good win. It's not bad. One. It's better than I think we all expected based on our expectations of Virginia Tech on the way in. Again, ultimately, I do think. Uh, UVA will end up winning that division, but they don't really want it either. They had a, I think while I was out of the country, they had a ACC loss, if I am remembering that correctly. Um, but it's just been ugly all the way around. And again, it's, it's, you know, not to go back to it, but it does add to the frustration of the fact that we can't have, you know, take advantage of, of everyone being so bad, um, you know, and actually fighting either for second, if not first. So Overall disappointing on that front, but yeah, nothing else to add. It's just a horrible, horrible conference. And, you know, I think the good news is that it means that we have at a minimum three very winnable games remaining on the schedule to get to at least seven regular season, if not more, as we will get into very shortly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think Virginia lost to Miami, I think, which wasn't that bad at the time. And then Miami went ahead and lost to Georgia Tech. So, Correct. Um, so, yeah. So, and by the way, Virginia Tech, did you see how that uh, how that game ended? Uh, Virginia Tech versus Was that the UNC, UNC? one with the, yeah. with the seven overtimes and they like didn't score in half of them? What a ridiculous way to end a football game. So I, and this is apparently a new rule. I'd never heard of it, and I consider myself to be a pretty big college football fan. When you get to, I think, the fifth overtime, it's no longer put the ball at the 25. It is two-point conversions. Wait, and, exclusively? Yeah, whoever didn't score a two-point conversion loses. So that's how Virginia Tech won. Wait, you, so you get you you know in in starting a fifth overtime, you literally just get one play in the fifth overtime. It's yeah, it's do or die, two-point conversion. One play. Yeah, I'm I'm hundred I'm ninety-nine percent sure that's what happened. Yeah, we the game got shut off because it was on yes in New York, and they flipped over to you uh, Yankee playoff coverage, which they lost, which is awesome. Um, so we missed that, but we were I was following at the bar, and I just saw again no points, no points, no points. So that actually makes a lot more sense. Still not good, but can yeah. at least buy it now. Yeah, I mean it's just I, I can't believe that's a real rule. I will say this too. I mean with our red zone defense, if we ever make it to overtime, maybe this weekend. I don't know, Matt. I like our Could chances be. in overtime. It, it's sort of you put you put the, the the fast forward button on it. The team gets the ball at the twenty five, which was going to happen anyway against our D. Correct. And then we we shut it down. So I'll tell you what I I think we could be a team to be. You know, we're one of those teams you don't want to see in overtime, I guess. Yeah, that's point. a very interesting strategy just in general of almost just, again, maybe that's Longman's move. Yep. Give everyone the ball at the 50 play for the better with a short field. I kind of oh, yeah, like that. that's too, I was going to say. I'm play, like, play, play, play for the tie. Yeah, play for the tie. Just we'll if you extend overtime. the game forever to 0-0, zero, zero, right? Because <laughs> there's no plays that happen. Um, and then the other one, I just I want to give a shout-out to Illinois with a humongous upset over Wisconsin uh, this past weekend. The biggest upset of the year in college football, I think, right? I would assume. I mean, Wisconsin was a legitimate playoff threat. So, and Illinois is terrible. But um, shout Before out this to weekend, at least. one of the fourth and dude family, um, which has an Illinois secondary degree. So good job there. There you go. Uh, yeah, I guess in general, I mean, there's a as it is every year, there's a pretty clear divide. Um, but one of the storylines coming out of last week was Clemson dropping to number four in the country despite a 35 point win over Louisville. Right. Um, and we'll get to that. But this is such to me that's such a that that it's it's the most clear and obvious thing that they're just basically saying. We don't actually think you're one of the four best teams in the country because you haven't looked that good. But because you're the national champion, if you win out, obviously you get in. Like that's exactly what that's saying, and I think it's it's fair. But it doesn't matter if you're the if you're the defending national champion and you win out, you get in a hundred times out of a hundred. Rightly so. Yeah, agreed. I guess last note here: Syracuse. What did Syracuse do? They lost to Florida State. They lost, no, they lost to Pitt by like a hundred. Is that true? 
Well, they lost. It was only like by six, but they were down big the whole game. They looked absolutely terrible. This was on Friday night. It was on Friday or Thursday night. Yeah. But oh, they're, that's they're, right. they're the worst team in, in the ACC right now. I think even Georgia Tech would beat them. Yeah. They only ended up losing by seven, by the way. Yeah, that's what I said, but they were down. I think they got that one with like two minutes left. Oh, that's right. So they lost to Pitt last week. They got Florida State this week, which is a very interesting game. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously, you get Taggart on the hot seat. You get Syracuse that is just awful at football. Someone has to win that game. And um, obviously, we have both of those teams left on our slate. So um, we'll be watching that one down in Clemson on Saturday afternoon. All right. Anything else? Or are we good to head into Clemson talk? Yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. Court is adjourned. And let's talk defending national champs. All right, so no Blue Chew ad this week. Uh, We don't need it after last week, which is good. I think we're all fully ready to go after watching that NC State performance. But stay tuned. We do have another sponsor uh, joining us next weekend. And not to worry, it is still in the male genitalia family. So all good there. Let's just dive right into the fun facts. These get really difficult on year three because this is obviously now this will be the fifth and sixth fun facts that we're giving respectively on Clemson. So I'm going to go with the student newspaper. The Tiger is one of the oldest in the nation, started in 1907, and it employs 100 people, making it one of the largest news organizations in the South. People forget that I used to write for the school newspaper when I was at BC, Matt, but not the Heights. I wrote for the Observer. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were mainstream. You were not the mainstream media. You decided to go a little, well, dude, uh, little if, alternative there with you your, up, your sources. If you sign up for the Heights, like that's your life. Like you get sent off to every single uh, possible sporting. You know, you, you cover fencing for you know the first three months till you earn it, and then it's a whole thing. The Observer said, you know, write whatever you want. Uh, when a once a month, and if you if you send it in, great. If not, we'll figure it out. So that was more do my. Do people speed. also know? Do, do people also know that you were the voice of the BC women's basketball team for like four games junior year? Four. It was a single game. It was, it was a single game. Okay, it was actually sorry. a huge <laughs> overtime win against Penn State. Yeah, and, and I actually called a really good game. Uh, I was the play by play guy, which I think is is a good spot for me because if I was the analyst, I don't know that I bring much to the table as, as far as women's <laughs> basketball. But I had a great. Man, I was like Meter Perel, uh, and and when they uh, it was a whole buzzer beater situation to force OT, and it was a whole thing. That, that tape has to be out there somewhere on the WZBC. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call the we'll call archives. the observer. We'll call the observer and have. Well, them, that was WZBC. That was the okay, radio. Sorry, but, fair, but fair, yeah, fair. same thing. All right, so that's a good one there. My fun fact, Matt, the Esso Club, which is where we'll be on Friday afternoon. Um, it's one of Clemson's most famous bars. It's been around forever. It's one of those places you got to go to. Matt, it used to be a gas station. So I saw that's that. A fun that is pretty fact. fun. Yeah, yeah pretty I'm fun. a big fan of a good you know gas station bar. I've been to a couple of them. There's one actually in Charleston. Um, it's called Fuel. It's a great spot. It's an yeah. Is that where you place. watched the Tech game last year? I think you talked about that one. No, on that the was show the brick. Well. That was the Virginia was Tech the bar. Right, sorry, yeah. sorry. Fuel's right, a good bad. spot. It's outdoor though. It's and a lot of dogs go there and stuff. A great spot. Okay, that's great. Um, let's roll into by far our worst segment of the season so far. Top five plus six man notable. What is this? Pop culture, movies, just kind of anything that yeah. has anything to do with Clemson. It's a very broad. It's a very broad category. Hard disagree that this is our worst segment. Usually it is, but this one's kind of electric because it's obviously South Carolina. So with that, okay. I'll kick well, it. Well, you go a little broad again. For the record, let's just back up. The goal is to have this be Clemson related. You kind of take a lot of liberty and just do anything in the state. So yeah, if you're doing pop culture related to Charleston and Hootie and the Blowfish and everything else, great. But. You're kind of not really following the spirit of the game. You're so in the one hole here, Matt, I'm going to go ahead and take Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah, okay, there you go. So you guys all know Hootie, Darius Rucker, probably top five band of all time. It, it probably goes, what, Zeppelin, um, and then probably Hootie. I mean, I, I put him too. That's just me. Um, so, so I don't know. I mean, 
They're as good as it gets. Obviously, they're from Columbia. They met at, at USC, the University of Yeah, they hate Clemson. South they hate Carolina. Clemson. They do, which is relevant to this week. We're playing Clemson. Um, so anyway, I saw these guys live over the summer. They don't. They do a. They did a big reunion tour this summer. They're electric. They're amazing live. And I love hooting the blowfish. And that's that's my first selection there, Matt. Okay. Yeah. Good pick. So three weeks ago, or maybe four, four or five weeks ago, they Disney filmed a movie at halftime of the Clemson game. The movie working title is called Safety, which I don't love as a movie name. So maybe they'll fix that before it actually goes live. But um, it's about the life of Ray McElrathby, who's a former player with a very nice story with Clemson. So during halftime, they brought out a full team of actors dressed as football players for Clemson. And I think Florida Atlantic was the team the other actors were playing as. And they basically did a whole uh, shoot of some tackles and some runbacks and all this good stuff. So filmed that on Clemson's campus. So that is very much within the spirit of this game. And then the second one is a 1974 thriller by the name of Midnight Man, starred Academy Award winner Burt Lancaster, filmed on Clemson's campus and featured a lot of prominent shots of the stadium as part of the plot and as the background. Burt Lancaster, of course, uh, is named the AFI's 19th best actor of all time, I think. And that's all I have on Midnight Man. Okay, that's a good one there, Matt. Um, In my... Uh, so you went two and three. I, in my four hole here, Matt, I have um, Duncan Sheik, who is an absolute electric factory. He's probably the best one-hit wonder of all time. If you guys are fans of 90s music, he sang the pop hit Barely Breathing. Um, so you guys can, can look that one up. If you don't know it, it's a great one. Um, so that's him. He is from somewhere in South Carolina okay. as well. Um, yeah. And then in my five hole, Matt, I'm going Rob Thomas, who you guys will know as... Um, uh, the lead singer of Matchbox 20. You guys know Smooth, Carlos Santana, featuring Rob Thomas. He also hails from the great state, uh, the Palmetto State, actually. All right, so just to be clear, you have made this segment basically just be any famous person that's born in South Carolina. So you basically made it easier than the notable alumni. The notable alumni was just a small population. You're taking now the entire state, just so we're clear. Yeah, we, we said pop culture in South Carolina, I think, is the category. I think it was more pop culture in Clemson, but okay. We'll, we'll have a... We'll have a an owner's meeting and uh, when we're down in Clemson this weekend to figure this out for the rest of the year for you guys. With my sixth pick, I will go with Leatherheads. So it's a football movie starring Jim from The Office and George Clooney. Um, was also filmed in very heavily in the surrounding Clemson area, specifically Anderson County, which is where Clemson resides. So that one I count. It's not too much of a roundup. And if it sounds familiar, it's because we mentioned this for Wake Forest as well, because they also filmed a lot of it in Winston-Salem. Football, where a football podcast all works out. And then only honorable mention I have, Matt, Radio with Cuba Gooding Jr. was also filmed in Anderson County. Football movie. That's good. Correct. So I'm more on the football theme than, than you are, but... Yeah, my honorable mention was Southern Charm, so okay. uh, Charleston. So <laughs> yep. great show okay. uh, on Bravo. It's a good one there. Yeah, so that's that covers the top five plus six man pop culture in South Carolina. Um, let's move it to a special edition tailgate ability. Uh, sorry, travel ability rankings. Matt, you want to kick it off? Yeah, I mean, it also could be a tailgate ability because, of course, uh, your two favorite co-hosts will be down there. Again, I'll give this a – this is going to be a very high score spoiler alert. A night game in Death Valley, I think, is hands down a top five experience in college football. Obviously, they have the Howard's Rock, the top 25 – or what is it, the 25 most exciting seconds in football or whatever. But a night game there, I think literally if you were going to count it off, you'd say a night game in this Death Valley, a night game in the LSU Death Valley. And I'm not sure there's anything else that would, that would potentially top those. So – Absolute bucket list experience. The fact that we got a night game is 
incredible, like very lucky. Um, Clemson's a top team, which is great. By all accounts, they have great fans, though I will say I was a little down on their fan base last year. I think they're getting a little kind of big for their britches now that they win. I think they were better as the lovable losers who, you know, always started off 6-0 and and then lost. So they're getting a little cocky, but still, by all accounts, it's a good fan base and uh, a fun fan base to tailgate. We'll be there, like I said. Weather doesn't look awesome right now, but it's kind of right on the fence. We're still four days away, so it's either going to be cloudy or potentially a little rainy. So we're going to see maybe by a tent, whatever. Uh, My paid app, the weather app that we've talked about before, says we're okay, but some others are calling for rain. So TBD on that. Again, this is my concern with doing the podcast on Tuesday night is we're not close enough for an accurate forecast. Um, Only knock I have on the score is that, you know, BC is not great on paper. Obviously, we're a really good team after last Saturday, but 34-point dogs, so it just can't be a perfect score. Overall, I'm going to go 4.6, which equates to 27.6, depending on if you're doing the 5RV or the 30RV scale. Which we so did very the 30RV, so you can just skip to that going forward, because I think you're going to confuse the listeners, Matt, if you give two different scores. Well, I think they'll realize that a 4.6 would be very low if that was out of 30. Yeah, you're doing like the metric system with the 4, so I think we just stick Correct. to the 30RVs. So, okay, I think that's a good score. I mean, I, I, I think that Obviously, we talked about going down to Clemson forever, and it's been one of those. It's like, all right, are we doing this year? Are we doing this year? I mean, this is when you talk about ACC road trips, it sort of starts and ends with Clemson. This is this is the place to be. And um, I think we're, we're, we're doing it the right way. We're getting a spot in lot two, which my inside sources say that's the place to be if you want to have a you know a premium tailgate experience. We're getting there early. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be a great day. Uh, we've never seen tailgating like what we're about to see. Obviously we've hit, you know, Raleigh and, uh, Charlottesville and a couple of those other ones, but you know, tailgating down in Clemson is, is nothing like what we're used to up in Chestnut Hill. So absolutely jacked up to see the tailgate scene in action. The fact that we got a night game, absolutely thrilled with that. From a travel standpoint, Clemson's a cool town. There's not a ton going on, but we're, we got a pretty good itinerary cooking right now. We're heading down Friday. I'm going to hit the SO Club, uh, hitting downtown. Going to have some some barbecue and uh, some ribs. So should be a great trip overall, and we'll get to it when we start breaking down the game. But, you know, this has all the makings of a potential upset, Matt. I know we're 35-point dogs, actually down to 33-and-a-half. Um, so it's moving our way. Um, all the money. But this has the potential to be a once-in-a-lifetime trip. And I can't wait to storm the field. All that said, I'm going 28.3. And I can't wait to – if any of you guys are going to be down there, let us know. Again, we'll be in lot two. Um, but shoot us a message and, uh, and we'll meet up. I assume that there will be a pretty good turnout down there. I think a lot of – this is one of those people – or one of those games a lot of people circle, circle in the calendar. So, uh, so let us know if you guys are heading down as well. Yeah, I'm with you. The only thing that I think might detract a little bit because normally it's – this is lately since Notre Dame hasn't been a fixture on the schedule, been the like senior year RV trip, which of course we did for Notre Dame. And I think, you know, most of our forefathers did for Notre Dame. Uh, but because Notre Dame's on the schedule this year, I almost wonder if, if that will be replaced. So we'll see. It would be great if we get a good turnout. Uh, but either way, it's going to be a phenomenal day. With that, let's get into the Clemson preview. Bottom line is we know that they are a very good football team. Trevor Lawrence is a machine. Etienne, T. Higgins could be an absolute problem on our defense. However, I will say they have looked mortal this year. Um, they should have lost to UNC. They, or I said they could have lost to UNC. They UNC went for two, and which was the right move because when you're a big underdog, why not? They didn't really look great in any other game. I will be clear that they still win huge. Like they beat Louisville by 35 last week, despite not having their best performance. So just to be clear, they're very, very, very good. But my, I'll say my biggest concern coming into this game is the CFB rankings. The official ones are about to come out. Like we said, they're at four right now. I think that that's going to, for them, 
mean that they smell blood and need and, and like want to put an absolute beat down and win a game like Ohio State does, like a hundred nothing to try to convince the voters to knock them up. So I don't like that, but overall, I will say this is not as terrifying and i say that very lightly as it potentially could be yeah it's it's kind of funny how people are, are hating on clemson this year and, da- and Dabo had a pretty good quote uh someone asked him about you know why do you think you dropped down to four in the ap poll and he said well last year if you think about it we were beating teams by 27.8 and this year we're only beating teams by 27 so it's that 0.8 or, or whatever the number was that's elusive and we can't get there so and he was obviously being being sarcastic you know saying it's that, classic Dabo holier than now by the way i'm sick of him but i won't go down that rant right now yeah it is it is and actually someone tweeted at david hale and i gotta get uh, another hooting the blowfish reference here someone basically said that clemson this year is like hooting the blowfish's second album because their first album was so good cracked review which had uh only want to be with you hold my hand and it was like eight or nine absolute bangers on that album and their second album was great but it wasn't quite as good as the first album. So that's what we're seeing with Clemson this year. Is they couldn't hey, possibly do you, mind, top. Do, you me, do you mind doing me a favor and just doing a full ranking of all your favorite uh, hoodie albums off the top of your head? Yeah, we'll do it offline because yeah, okay. that's something that I didn't have prepared. <laughs> and that's going to take a lot of thought. So I don't want to okay. you know, jip the, jip the, the listeners on that. I, I actually wonder, like, who's a Hooting the Blowfish fan? Like, I, obviously, I'm from South Carolina. Not originally, but, you know, I spent some time down there. So we became big Hooting the Blowfish fans. Are people in general big Hootie fans? Yeah, I think they are. But let's move on. Yeah, I could talk about this for another hour or two, Matt. I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, I think I think you touched on on the, the the big points. I mean, everyone expected this defense to take a step back this year for Clemson, and instead, it's been the offense. So people are trying to wrap their heads around that. Well, I think it's been a little. I mean, it's been it's it's. I would say it's a little bit of both. I mean, specifically on the D line, the D line is still very good, and it's going to be the best one I think that we've seen so far. Definitely better than NC State's, but. It's a significant step down from what they had. I mean, last year was a legitimate. Matt, you, last year was a legitimate NFL defensive line. I agree. They lost their whole D line, who's in the NFL, but statistically, they're actually better this year. And part of that could be because their their schedule's been you know somewhat soft thus far, um, and it's not going to get a lot better. But they've held every opponent this season under 300 yards. So this defense is actually statistically better than last year, despite losing everyone. And they have a couple studs, and these guys, you know, they're they're full of five stars. They reload, et cetera, et cetera. But there was a no-brainer that that offense that returned pretty much everyone was going to be even more electric than they were last year, and it's just not the case so far. It's really been the defense that's that's stepped up. Um, and again, it's it's nitpicking because it's Clemson, and they're still you know a, a top five team in the country, no question. But to your point, they're beatable, and we saw that with UNC. We saw Louisville hung around with them for a half. This wasn't this didn't really happen last year outside of the Syracuse game when Lawrence got hurt. They blew everyone out. We were the, the closest one they played. Um, all year long and, and we were never really in it after the first quarter so the fact that they're you know ha- they've had some close calls against the likes of again UNC who's not a good football team you know shows this, this is a different type of Clemson team and, and one that, that can be knocked off on the, on the yeah right I mean night. I would say I would I would say honestly and and I would say outside of A&M and I know we just lost to Louisville so it's transitive property and all that but I think we are the second best team they've seen this year and that's not even saying a lot because A&M is four and three I know their three losses are I think all the top 10 teams, so it's you know not horrible. But uh, they have never seen an offensive line and run game as good as what we've offered you know this year. Let me be clear that I am in no way saying it's the same thing, but it's at least the same idea as what we saw with NC State when they came in with the best run defense in the country. Everyone was like, that's amazing. They didn't play anyone that had a running offense. So yeah, while the defense has looked very good, we are one of, if not the best offenses that they've you know seen so far statistically. My concern is obviously the defense. While we looked good last week the fact is that we could revert 
immediately to what we saw in the first six weeks. And if we do that, I think we legitimately could give up over 100 points. So, Either revert or the fact that NC State's just that bad and we're not sure. actually yeah, yeah, yeah. that good. Exactly. We're not as but good as we thought. Right. No matter right. how you slice it, you're exactly right. I mean, this is just a terrible matchup. And they're a ter- terrible matchup for anyone. Uh, but you mentioned Justin Ross and T. Higgins, two of the you know best athletes in the, in the world, probably. They're going to be you know first-round picks. Um, we have defensive backs that have been burned consistently all year. They have Trevor Lawrence, who, if there's one knock on him after his, you know, Heisman caliber season last year, this year he's been mistake prone, right? When he's when the when the pressure gets on him, he throws picks. We don't really have a D line that can force pressure pressure. So it's it's sort of like a, and then lastly, I guess they have Travis Etienne, who racked up 227 yards on 18 touches last week, including yep. 118 of those Matt that were after contact. And we have a defense that has struggled with tackling. So just when you stop right there. against Kansas, right? I right. mean, like Kansas was all after contact and just all untouched. So I'm with you. There's a lot of terrifying it's, things. that Those are horrible, time. horrible match, matchups unless we've actually figured out the defense issues. No, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm completely with you. The only thing I will hang on to as well, and you just talk about like crazy things happening in sports, I love this Richard Yergin homecoming story. So David Hale wrote a piece on it on ESPN Today. I think they filmed a game day piece for it. I don't know if it's aired yet. Um, but basically, it's, again, the the story that we've talked about before. Had a terrible car accident. Was a Clemson recruit and played there for, I think, what, th- two or three years. You know, they said he would never play football again. And now here he is back coming home. So, you know, you just do think potentially that might add a little bit to the front seven of what we can offer. There's a little extra motivation there. I'm not saying that's necessarily going to be enough, but it's nice to have in our back pocket. I'll just right. say that much. Yeah, you never know. I mean, he—I don't want to say he hasn't done much. I mean, he—he oh, he hasn't. I mean, he—he he wasn't expected to be a leader. He's a, a leader, correct? Contributor. Yeah, he, he's in there for more than just what he can do on the field. And by the way, it's the fact that he's out there playing football with you know a metal rod in his back is is enough. But um, I don't know. We'll see. It's it's certainly a potential X factor. You touched on the weather. I think that could be obviously an enormous X factor as well. With the weather being a great equalizer, it sort of takes away their aerial attack potentially. You also yeah, Travis- I think even I think even with the bad weather though, I don't I don't see it. I'm talking forecast specifically. No forecast I've seen has shown it raining through the night. It's even like the worst ones are saying it's going to stop at five or six o'clock. So it's pretty much going to be worst case of like hey, it pours. <laughs> Just during the, the tailgate's tailgate. going to suck. Although yeah. let me say this, Matt, the tailgate for USC, as yes. you'll recall, yes. was the most rain I have ever seen in Greater Chestnut Hill. And when the game kicked off, it was maybe one of the most beautiful nights I've ever seen in an alumni stadium. So I'm just saying we are familiar with that sort of thing. Yeah, that game ended okay, right? It did, Matt. So you got the weather. That could be a big X factor, regardless of your, your app that you pay 10 bucks a month for. Um, you have Travis Etienne. one-time $4 purchase. Who was banged up uh, against Louisville at the, end of, at the end of the game last week. Um, it sounds like he's going to be okay, but he did, he did limp off the field. If that's something that's lingering, that would certainly be good. And then we touched on it, but the Lawrence has, has thrown a, a more picks this year. I think like way more picks this year than he did last year. He's had four last year. He's already up to six or seven, I think it is. Obviously, our defense is is you know really opportunistic. So the, the knock on Lawrence this year is that he's trying to do too much, and I think part of it could be because he set the bar so high last year that he's you know trying to live up to the Heisman numbers and. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the picks that have been a result of thrown into double coverage when the checkdown's been available. So I don't know. I, I think that if we can scheme against that and force them to you know try to make the big throw, our defense again has proven to be opportunistic. So if they can make them pay for that, you know, that, that, if we can win the turnover battle, I guess that's probably our only chance at winning this thing. So that's something to watch out for there. That's really the defense. I think offensively, we we know what we're going to be. Uh, we're going to 
probably replicate the same blue, uh, the the same game plan that we played against NC State, with the exception of again, these guys don't know what's going to hit them with uh, with Denny Pancakes. So I don't know. I, I, I this O line can play with anyone in the country, and I think one big thing to keep an eye on will be tempo. When Q's knocked them off uh, a couple of years ago. It was with the same kind of up-tempo style. I think they ran like 85 plays, and it got to the point where Clemson just couldn't keep up. We can absolutely play with these guys on offense. So if we do that on offense and we we you know alternate Dylan and Bailey and just punish these guys, I think that's the recipe offensively. Yeah, I hear you. I, I think at the end of the day, I do think that we're going to be able to score enough points to you know put up a competitive number. It's just that at the end of the day, it's we're going to be able to score enough to overcome a defense, and is our defense shored up enough that it can limit it to allow us to a number that our offense can overcome? That's the bottom line. I also want to say, Matt, credit to you. Uh, shows a sign of maturity that you did not once mention that Trevor Lawrence looks like the girl from Disturbia. So credit to us. We are slowly growing up. Um, Matt, that's big time you, there. You ruined a tweet that I'm, I was about to launch. Uh, not, Sorry. I was going to launch it probably Wednesday. I'll save night it. I won't release the podcast until you, I won't release podcast until you can tweet it out. It's kind of an edgy tweet, but I think I'm going to go for it, but it is related to Disturbia. So more to come yeah. on that. Okay. That sounds about right. Um, I will just roll right into my predictions. The bottom line, Matt, crazy things happen in sports. Night games are always weird. Defense is new, new in a lot of ways. There's a lot of new guys plugged in, so there's not a lot of film on them. The same way there's not for – what are we going with, Denny? What you said Denny Pancakes? Is that what we're doing you can You can say literally any word after Denny. Grand Slam. The, the Grand Slam. I like the Grand Slam, but that's just me. Um, I don't know if that's too deep of a reference. Like, to, would people know that that would connect back to Denny's immediately? I think it works on the Twitter when you, when you put a picture of pancakes next to it. Gotcha. Okay, fair. So something to think about there. Anyways – we do have the best running game and the best offensive line in football. Matt, we're just going to get nuts here. We're going to be in attendance. It's it's going to be just a wild day. We're going to score a lot. They're going to score a lot. We're going to score a little bit more than them. We end the night storming the Tiger Paw, come out of Clemson, Death Valley with a 52-49 Boston College win. <laughs> let's let's just get crazy. 52-49. I, I mean, we have to score. There's no yeah. way we hold them under 40 points, right? I, I believe in the 49. The 52, we'll see. I, I don't see why not. I, I, I'm i with you, man. I, I love it. Um, I got I got a similar prediction uh, as far as the winning teams go, Matt. I got your your weather app being full of shit. I got a monsoon happening down in Clemson, South Carolina. Yeah, so that's just not going to happen, but okay. Completely takes away their passing game. We win the turnover battle. Dylan breaks a couple huge runs, and we're storming the field after an Eagles 28, Clemson 24 walk-off victory in Clemson, South Carolina. If this defense holds Clemson to 24 points. It's going to be a monsoon, Matt. That's what happens in monsoons. I will do something unforgivable. I think you're just making up weather terms at this point. Monsoon Isn't a monsoon? It's a lot of rain. It is. It's a a real term. I guess I'm saying that you're making up forecasts because there is no forecast that implies it will be that much rain. But I'm with you. I like, again, at the end of the day, the the winning team is what matters. I don't care if we win 52 to 49 or 28 to 24. I don't have your high-tech app. What I have, and I'm looking at it now, I have the iPhone weather app, and it's raining from Friday It just says rain. For literally, yeah, 10 days straight. So right. we're, we're in the eye of the storm on okay. Saturday. And that's the technology that I have. It looks like a lot of rain on my app currently. And it looks like that's the type of weather we'll need to, to hold this offense in check. Otherwise, we probably have no shot, Matt. Yeah, but you know what? Look, we we're, we have we have five days till game time. We're going to talk ourselves into it because it's not fun to go down there and say, oh, yeah, we're going to lose. Maybe we'll cover. Maybe we won't. You got to believe in something, even if it means we're going to get our harps ripped out midway through the first half. But that's not going to happen. 
Thanks again to our sponsors, MyBookie, when betting on the birds to shock the world on Saturday. If you can try to get the money line, please do it. Yeah, MyBookie. over to MyBookie.ag. Can you Seriously. please figure out the money line? I mean, there's there's a lot of money to be made. Uh, so hopefully that gets worked out. Use promo code SHARE to double your first deposit. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 4th and Dude on both. I would imagine there will be a heavy amount of activity once we touch down in South Carolina Thursday night and Friday morning. And as always, be sure to keep an eye on our guys at Eagle Insiders BC247. Sign up today to get everything you could possibly need before we head down to Death Valley this weekend. Hope to see everyone down in Clemson. Uh, we'll be down there, like we said. We'll be at the SO Club Friday night, Lot 2 all day Saturday. I'm bringing a carry-on that's just going to be like 150 koozies that I'm trying to get rid of because they've just been sitting in my apartment and the value of them has gone down as you know we have gotten off to a worse start than we hope so come on by we got a lot of them to give away we love to see uh see everyone out there thanks again for listening and matt i think there's nothing else to say but it's officially time to shock the world it's a dude alert folks Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.